My name is Nate Mickle. You're listening to Mickles and Dimes Layer 2, where every interview is dedicated to the simple, the practical, and the underappreciated. Adam Galinsky is one of the world's best business school professors, according to Poets and Quants. As a professor at Columbia Business School, he teaches leadership, negotiation, and ethics. Adam's book, Friend and Foe, is a bestseller, and his TED Talk is one of the most popular of all time, with more than 7 million views. He has consulted for hundreds of clients, including Fortune 100 firms, nonprofits, and local and national governments. But that's not all. Adam has served as an expert witness in a defamation trial, and he has also served as executive and associate producer on many award-winning documentaries, including two that were shortlisted for Best Documentary at the Academy Awards. Before joining Columbia, Adam was a professor at Northwestern University and the University of Utah. He earned his undergraduate degree from Harvard and both a master's degree and PhD from Princeton. In a word, Adam Galinsky is productive. I hope you enjoy learning from Adam Galinsky, because I always do. Adam, I'm excited to talk with you today. We first met at the University of Utah almost 10 years ago. Later, wow. we met up at a conference in Atlanta, and my wife and I still have great memories of visiting with you in your office at Columbia a few years back. You're an inspiration to so many, both inside our field and outside of it. So thanks so much for sharing a few minutes with me today. It's my pleasure. It's great to, to be here today. Well, you've had an incredible academic career as a professor, researcher, consultant, and then even as an expert witness and documentary film producer. And as you think back on your career, are there two to three simple, practical, underappreciated lessons you've learned that you'd most like to pass along to others? Uh, yeah, you know, I was thinking that, you know, you sent me this 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 prompt in advance, so I had some time to think on it and reflect on it and percolate on it. And I have a couple. Um, uh, the first one is um, kind of a, a simple idea, um, but the lesson is everything is difficult the first time you do it. It doesn't matter what it is, right? The first time you write a paper, it's really hard to do. The first time you give a talk, it's really hard to do. The first time you change a diaper, right? It's really hard to do, you know? And and so I think some people go and experience something and say, that was difficult, I'm not good at it. But that's not true. You don't know if you're good at it yet. You just, just done it the first time. Um, and so I think that one of the things I think is really important is that once we recognize that the first time we do something, or even the first few times we do something, it's always going to be difficult for almost everybody, then we don't judge ourselves, we don't also exclude ourselves from those activities, right, because we realize it's going to take some time and some practice. And here's the simplest version of it. I worked out this morning with a personal trainer, um, and we she did a new exercise this morning that I'd never done before. And the first time we did it, I was like, this feels impossible to me. Like, I, I can't bend my body the way she's telling it. Like, it literally doesn't make any sense. And I'm just thinking, okay. But then by the time the second time we did it, I did it pretty well. And then we did, we always do after exercises three times. By the third time, I was like, okay, I can do this. So that's just like the simplest version of it, right? Like, my first reaction was, I can't do this. It's like, my body doesn't work this way. But then I remembered this always happens to me when I work out in a new exercise, right? And so part of it is that once you become aware of that, right? It doesn't have to be stressful. It doesn't have to be anxiety producing. You just recognize that what you need is practice and experience. And so I'm going to give you actually two broad themes, but two sub themes. So the second theme related to everything is difficult. The first time you do it is just the value of experience and 
practice. And Bill Simmons, who's a sports writer, always has this famous phrase talking about reps. You just want reps, right? Kobe Bryant was horrible in the first three playoff series that he was in, but he played in 28 playoff games. He got reps in these high stakes situations. So then in year four, you know, he hit a game winner, right? And we became like Michael Jordan, essentially, um, in that period of time. And so part of it is that we, we, we develop skills through practice and experience. So here's what I would tell you to do. Everything is difficult the first time you do it. You get better through practice and experience, but also remember to use that experience to build confidence. So experience builds competence, but you also want to remember to recognize that so that it can build your confidence. And once you recognize that, when things are difficult the first time, it won't be stressful. You'll just say to yourself, oh, I need more practice. I need more experience. I love these lessons. It, it makes me think back to uh, when I was a child, my mom had a brain tumor, and uh, uh, which also caused a stroke. And she had to learn how to talk again. And she had to learn how to eat again. And I remember as a kid watching her try to lift the fork to her mouth. And it's like she had to relearn that. But what's funny is if you're right-handed and you try to eat left-handed, it, it it like reinforces the same notion of how things that we take for granted as being so simple, like raising our hand to our mouth is actually kind of difficult when we haven't practiced it. And it, it's surprising how often we forget this when we try a new challenge. It's like we, we can't even write left-handed because we don't have much practice with it. But if we're kind of having a difficult time at our job, we think we're not capable and we forget that it just takes these reps. And it's funny you mentioned Kobe Bryant. I remember when Kobe came into the league, he, you know, there was, there was so much excitement around him. And I I don't know if it was his first playoff series or if it was a game to get into the playoffs, but my air memory balls. is what air balls. He, he yes. shot a bunch of air balls, air balls at the yes. end of the game. And I thought, Oh my yep. gosh, this high school kid, like, yeah. He's never going to make it. And I had such a short-sighted view at that moment. Like, this is this is crushing. This is the end of his career. And I just feel remember feeling so bad for him airballing the biggest shots of his life. Yeah. That was just the beginning. So yeah, it wasn't I, just one airball. He had multiple airballs, right? You know, yes. so that's the thing. Yes. Um, so I, I love these lessons. Um, and then I think, you know, so the first lesson, right, is this idea. The second lesson, and, you know, is that um, you, you got to really sort of figure out your style right? And, and who you are and how you interact in the world. And maybe this is a, a, you know, a bigger thing when you're a faculty member and you're teaching and you're in front of people and you have to like learn a style. But like, you know, when I was started out at the Kellogg School of Management over 20 years ago, I was given a teaching mentor named Brian Utsi, who's an amazing teacher, multiple award-winning teacher. And he had a very specific style where he'd kind of stand here like this and he would talk like this. Mm -hmm. And, and so, I was like, okay, I don't know how to teach. So I would, the first year I taught, I would try to stand here like this and talk like this. And it was, you know, a disaster. And then over years, I developed, you know, my style, which is more animated, for example. And I move around a lot and I use my arms and and I, I think about modulating my voice. And um, and then about eight years after that, um, Lauren Norgren became an assistant. He's now a full professor at Kellogg, but he was a first year assistant professor. And he always given, assigned to be his teaching mentor. And he was supposed to sit on my class every week. And what I said to him is, look, there's four people teaching this class. I want you to sit on my class every morning, but I want you to sit on another person's class every afternoon. So when Brian does social network, sit on his class. When Vicki Medvick does decision-making, sit on her class. When Kathy Phillips does team, sit on her class. And he said it was remarkable because he realized that all four of us had won teaching awards. All four of us were really good teachers, 
but we were unbelievably different in the classroom. Like just, we were completely different. Like if you looked at it, you'd be like, these are not even within the same ballpark. They're not even the same sport, right? You know, and so I think that um, that was really refreshing to me, just a reminding that like, you know, people have to figure out what works for them. Um, I remember hearing, I've tried to look it up, I can't find it, but I remember hearing about a study about um, looking at like, who were the best lawyers during like closing arguments and what was the best style? And they basically figured out there wasn't a, the best style. It was like the style that worked for each lawyer. Like some were methodical going, you know, point by point through the case. Some people were flourishes with imagined scenarios. You know, it was like, what worked for you to present? Now this corollary of this, right? So the first one was everything's difficult the first time. And the corollary, corollary, right, is that we can, you know, build competence and confidence through our experience. Um, this one is know your style. But the corollary of that is that you also need to create the conditions that help you succeed and know your style. So earlier, Nate said, you know, um, you think, oh, I, I'm not competent. I'm not good at this job. Um, and, you know, could be that that's true. It could be it's not a good fit for you. And so the question is, what is the, or maybe you haven't had enough practice, right? But but let's say you've had enough practice, but maybe it's actually, you're just not in the right version of that task, right? And so I'll just give you an example from my life. I graduated from um, Harvard undergrad. I got a job at Mass General Hospital um, and it was doing a nine to five job. And that's just not who I am as a person. Um, when I was in college undergrad, I I couldn't even get it for a 10 a.m. class. Like I, my earliest classes were 11 a.m., you know, and I got fired after three months, you know, as a, you know, um, and then I got hired as a research assistant at Harvard where I had a very flexible schedule um, and I could, you know, work at night if I wanted to or come in at 11. And some days the professor would say, I need you at nine. And I'd come in on those days at nine. Um, and I really succeeded Then I got into grad school at Princeton. And, you know, as Nate said, I've been very successful. I don't know how successful I'd be if I had a very strict nine to five schedule where my time is regimented, you know, but I've been very lucky. I'm very privileged, but, but I've found a schedule that works for me and, and who I am as a human being. And so part of it is finding, you know, the conditions that work for you. Just one other example of this is that, um, you know, I published over 200 articles in my life. I've never published a solo authored paper, right? Oh, wow. That's just not who I am as a person. I like collaborating with people. So if I were in a field where all my work had to be done solo authored, I wouldn't be as successful because I build with ideas of other people. I get energy from other people. I um, get uh, um, insights by interacting with other people. And so a lot of my, um, you know, I'm a great mentor, right? But 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 I benefit personally from being a mentor. It's not just that I'm helping the student, like that's giving me energy and making my ideas better and making my publications better. So I've been just very fortunate that I've created a world where collaboration is valued and I have a flexible schedule. Yeah, you know, I love this lesson, and and it it's funny to hear that teaching story because one of the first classes I taught, uh, I thought you know professors have to be very kind of professional and have to look the part, and so I I wore a, a suit and a tie to every class, and I felt like an idiot because the students are rolling out of bed at eight a.m. and they're in sweats, but I was thinking you know I have to be professional. And those were the lowest teacher ratings I ever got. And kind of before that class and after that class, I just was more myself. Like my, you yeah. know, my business casual is more kind of my style. And I've done much better since then. Um, and then I love this uh, idea of like, you got to find the style that works for you. I, I think of football coaching and I think of the Bill Belichick 
Nick Saban. Like that's a style, hard nose, kind of in your face, intense. Uh, but there's also the Pete Carroll style, which yep. is the players coach. And yep. that works for Pete. Uh, so there is no necessarily one right way. We've got to find what works for us. Yep. And, and then lastly, uh, I'm happy to hear that you got fired from a job. I also got fired from a job uh, once and uh, I was, uh, this was during college and and when I was doing a really poor job at the job, obviously, um, and they called me in and, and told me they were firing me and I was happy because I was hating the job and they were like, uh, you know, this is really going to affect you in your life. And I was like, no, I'll be fine. And the the person firing me was upset that I wasn't upset, uh, but it sounds like I'm in good company. So happy to hear that you got fired once as well. <laughs> Yeah. And, and let me just say two two things. One about, you know, the, the suit and the attire, right? So when I taught at Kellogg, I taught at Kellogg for 12 years. I never wore a suit. I would wear a button down and often with a sweater, um, et cetera. And then I came to Columbia Business School and everyone wore a suit in, in the classroom. And so like, I would just, it would have been awkward to not wear a suit. Yeah. Now I never wore a tie, right? So it's like, I still was able to be a little bit casual, but I started wearing a suit during, you know, every time that, that I was doing that. And um, I just got interviewed by a reporter yesterday, uh, who turns out to also be a big Miami Dolphins fan. And they wanted to know to, to diagnose or dissect the leadership style of the new coach down there and why um, Tua has been so much more successful as a quarterback under this coach than he had been previously. So, um, and I think that's an, another great example of football, right? You know, like Justin Fields, right? When he went in the combine, he's a quarterback for Chicago Bears. He was one of those accurate people. He can't hit anyone. And then they, you know, finally someone's like, because you're just not putting him in a system that maximizes his chance of success. Once they put him in a system where they maximize his movement, now he's hitting people, you know, downfield because he's in his comfort zone. So, you know, that's a good example again of of like you gotta, you know, he's an accurate quarterback, but not in a traditional yeah. step back, six steps and throw the ball. Yeah. Well, I, I love these lessons, Adam. Anything else you'd like to uh leave with us as we wrap up here? Um no, I think, I think, I mean, it's all part of the same tapestry or fabric, right? Which is that like, you need experience, but you need experience in the right conditions. You need to create those conditions, but to create those conditions, you also need to understand yourself, right? And then through all of that process, you're trying to build competencies, but don't forget that to, to, to feel confident in the process. Um, and so figure out, you got this when you, when you have that experience. Well, these are great lessons that I will share with my kids. I will share with my students. Uh, but they're great lessons for adults as well. And Adam, I just want to thank you for spending a few minutes with me today. You are one of the most productive humans on planet Earth, which also means you are one of the busiest. So I'm especially grateful you'd share these lessons with me today. Thanks so much for coming on. Sure. Thanks for listening to this episode of Mickles and Dimes. Adam Galinsky is one of the all-time most accomplished professors in his field, and I look forward to trying to apply the lessons he taught today. First, everything is difficult the first time we do it. So when we try something new and we struggle with it, we should remember that it was hard for everyone else the first time they tried it as well. We just need more reps to improve. It took Kobe Bryant three failed playoff appearances and a bunch of air balls before he hit the game-clinching bucket in Game 4 of the 2000 Finals. Once we recognize that things are always difficult at first, we'll just say to ourselves that we need more practice and experience. Second, we need to figure out our own style. There is no one best way to teach, to coach, or to be an attorney. But all the while, we need to find and or create the situations that will help us thrive. Adam was a failure at the 9-to-5 job, but an astonishing success at the flexible job that allowed him to collaborate with others. By getting reps and finding our own style in the right situation, we can be productive like Adam Glinsky. It's a simple idea. Please take it seriously.